Have you ever left that water bottle in your car on a hot day and you were thirsty and you got back in your car, looked at the water bottle, it looked inviting until you felt it and opened it, lukewarm water. Oh, it's no good. Well, today on Walk in Truth, we're going to hear about a lukewarm church that Jesus wants to just spit out of his mouth. Man, it's a powerful image. We're going to learn how to avoid being lukewarm today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Laodicea, the Lukewarm Church. When the Bible uses the word beginning, it's the Greek word arche. It's A-R-C-H-E, transliterated into English. It's where we get our English word architect. In fact, a modern translation has this rendered as originator. So it doesn't have it rendered as beginning. Now, our Jehovah's Witness friends look at this and they say, this means Jesus had a beginning. But they won't say that of the Father. When the Father's called the beginning and the end, they're not going to say that he had a beginning, right? They believe the Father is eternal. But when it's applied to Jesus, they want to say when it says he, has, he is the beginning, that that means he had a beginning. But that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is actually saying that Jesus is the originator, the architect, the creator, the beginner. The word RK is probably here best rendered. He's the originator, beginner, or the creator. Interestingly enough, think with me, as we studied Colossians, we encountered what we called the Colossian heresy. We looked at uh, Colossians 1.15 and 16 and 17, which clearly makes the case that Jesus Christ is God and the creator of all things. Think about it. Colossae was in a triad of cities with Laodicea and Heropolis. So it shouldn't surprise us that the same sorts of heresy or false teachings were happening in Laodicea as in Colossae. Everybody with me? They were trying to demote Jesus. They were trying to make him an angel or a created being or an emanation of God way down the ladder. There's the God up here, and then there's all these emanations, angels or lesser deities, and then mankind. But no, the Bible's teaching that Jesus is the beginner. He is the creator. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one true God. So a verse that actually emphatically is defending Christ's deity gets twisted by people who sadly don't know their Bibles. Or, to put it more uh, graciously, are deceived by an organization that is famous for this kind of stuff. Just to be blunt. Because they cannot stand the fact that Jesus is God. So they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, this is a dangerous game to play. Because if you want to demote the deity of God, if you start messing with God's deity, what he says about himself, ain't good. Now, there's some people who simply just do it in ignorance because they just read certain books, passages are isolated, and, and they don't get it. 
And if you come uh, on the next 633, I'm going to get into this more and I'll show you how to put easily put together an argument from the, for the Trinity from the Bible. I'm not saying you're going to understand everything about the Trinity when you leave, because you won't. <laughs> Nobody really understands everything, but you're going to have a better handle on it. Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end. He is the Aleph Tav in Hebrew. He's the Alpha and the Omega in Greek. And this is an incredible uh, description because it means that the address is coming from God himself to the church. And what does he say next? I know your deeds. This is his assessment of this church, just like he's assessed all the churches. He says, I know your work. And then he says that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. I wish that you were either one or the other, says the NIV. Now, in years uh, past, if you listen to some pastors who I'm sure meant well in the past, they would say something like this. Uh, Jesus wishes that Christians were either hot or cold. So he wishes that you would be cold, indifferent, not even know God, than be lukewarm. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> that's the wrong interpretation. In fact, Revelation 3.19, take, uh, take a peek ahead. It says, those whom I love, I reprove. Revelation 3.19 tells us that Jesus loves lukewarm believers. Everybody with me? Sometimes when we're lukewarm, we think, you know, God doesn't love me anymore. But God, God is not grading on performance in the sense of your salvation. He loves you. He loves lukewarm believers. He says, those whom I love, I discipline. So he loves us when we're blowing it. He doesn't want you to be cold. That's not the right interpretation. It, as defined as you're just, you know, nothing of the things of God and you're just cold to God. Cold in this context means refreshing, like the cold waters running down Mount Cadmus, uh, probably into the piping system for Laodicea. Cold means refreshing, good, thirst-quenching. Everybody with me? To be cold is to be good. It's to be alive. It's to be refreshing. That's what the Lord wants. To be hot is like the hot springs of Heropolis. Remember, I've told you that in many of the cities that are addressed by Jesus, the city's circumstances mirror his assessment to the church, and he makes application. He says, I wish you were like the cold, rushing streams of Colossae, refreshing. I wish you were like the hot springs of Heropolis, medicinal. How many of you enjoy sitting in a nice hot jacuzzi? Right? The, the little jet hitting the, the sore parts of your back. <laughs> yeah. Turn up the heat. 100 degrees, 105, 110. It's, it's all right. Right? And, and, and sometimes you go, oh, I just get in there. <laughs> he wants you to be refreshing or medicinal. Listen to the culture. If you are a lukewarm believer, you're not going to be refreshing or medicinal to anybody because you're not doing anything. How you doing today? Lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
But if you're cold, you're alive, refreshing. If you're hot, you're medicinal. You're, you're having an impact on people. You're breathing. You're bringing a soothing relief or a cold uh, refreshment. But if you're lukewarm, nada, nothing. The spiritual temperature of the Laodiceans is categorized by the Lord here, and they're neither cold nor hot, they're lukewarm. This is, this is the imagery from the water supply, and this is the sad picture, sadly, of a lot of modern Christians in America. Let's be honest. Lukewarm believers abound. They're everywhere. In fact, if we were to just have an honest moment tonight, I would tell you that they may be the majority of the professing church in America. Ooh. Oh, I know. But remember, we're not so much concerned about what we think tonight and our assessments. What I really care about is what, are the, what does the Lord of the church say about me? What's his assessment? Because in the end, that's all that's really going to matter. When you stand before God and he measures your works, you're not going to be able to chuckle back with your buddies. Oh, yeah, I don't know. You think that you No. You're going to be before a Bema seat. And look, it's not going to be for your sin. It's going to be for what you did, how you lived. Lukewarm believers are believers. That's why they're being challenged to repent. But notice the image. So because 16, you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. If you have an NIV, it says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The King James says, I'm going to spew you. The New King James says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. The Greek word, when you look it up in Greek lexicons, means either to spit, but the majority of them mean to vomit. And... I know we all could agree that it's not a pretty picture. Now, Jesus, once again, is using the imagery of the city's reality that when people drank water that had this carbonate stuff in it, it made you want to hurl. You've all heard of Montezuma's Revenge, you know? Don't drink the water, man, <laughs> right? So there's some countries that you have to go to, you have to bring bottled water. In India, uh, in 2001, we went on a mission trip to India and Nepal, and we had to bring all kinds of bottled water because the water was going to make you sick. But they said, also, when you got, got in a shower, you couldn't get the water in your eyes or anything because it would make you sick with any kind of contact like that. So we went into this one-and-a-half-star hotel with geckos on the wall. <laughs> geckos were your friend. Geckos were sleeping on my right and my left. I was like, nice gecko. They, <laughs> they said that the geckos ate the wasp and stuff, so you really needed geckos next to you. So, you know, I, one of them tried to sell me insurance, and it was, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So, you're just longing <laughs> to take a shower. I'll try to recover from that one, I know. And... So we get, I get, get in this so-called shower. It's more like a drinking fountain that's broken. And it was like spewing out this water. But when you tried to wash your hair, you had to use your bottled water. That's how careful you had to be. Or you would get sick. And believe me, on a missions trip in Nepal and India, you did not want to be sick because the accommodations were not <laughs> where you would want to be. Anyway, we'll just leave it there. 
When you look at scholars and you, you study the assessment of Jesus, they say something like this, this does not necessarily mean this is determinative. In other words, it's, it's a warning, but not necessarily has happened yet. Everybody with me? So Jesus says, in essence, as the NIV has it, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite your kids to Vacation Bible School at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. This year, kids learn about the Israelites' time in Egypt. They'll explore God's goodness and celebrate a ferocious faith that powers them through this wild life. Each day at VBS, kids travel through rotations with crafts, music, and games, all for the purpose of teaching kids stories from the Bible and immersing them in new adventures. This week-long Vacation Bible School will begin July 8th, and it's only $10 per child. Register your little explorer today by visiting livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. When you tried to wash your hair, you had to use your bottled water. That's how careful you had to be, or you would get sick. And believe me, on a missions trip in Nepal and India, you did not want to be sick because the accommodations were not (laughs) where you would want to be. Anyway, we'll just leave it there. When you look at scholars and you, you study the assessment of Jesus, they say something like this, this does not necessarily mean this is determinative. In other words, it's, it's a warning, but not necessarily has happened yet. Everybody with me? So Jesus says, in essence, as the NIV has it, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But think about the way that we might say this. You know, if we say about something, that makes me want to throw up. (laughs) Is there any positive spin you can put on something like that? That makes me sick. Well, the Lord of the church says that about Laodicean believers. I mean, I just want you to pause for a second. It's pretty strong. Pretty sobering. The Lord says, that makes me sick. Now, I don't think that this is determinative, as I said, but but it's serious. Now, if you're a Laodicean believer and you hear this, how would you respond? (laughs) I would be taking some gulps and doing some serious soul searching and taking a look closely at my spiritual life. But the Laodiceans said, verse 17, and this is kind of how they saw themselves. Jesus says, because you say, I am rich. I become wealthy. They had the banking industry. I have need of nothing. And Jesus says, but you do not know. You do not know that you are wretched. Paul uses this word in Romans 7.24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? You don't know that you're wretched, miserable. The word could be translated pitiful. In need of mercy is the idea of miserable. You're poor, You're blind and you're naked. And all God's people said, gulp. While the Lord of the church says, not only, you know, you say you're rich, you say you don't need anything, but what you don't know, and and here's the tragedy, they're ignorant of the fact that they're actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
To be ignorant of one's condition is sad. Oftentimes when we do evangelism, we try to use the law to the proud and grace to the humble. If somebody says, uh, well, you know, you're, you're telling me about this gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if God could ever forgive me. I've done so many bad things. We don't have to give them the Ten Commandments. They already know that they're a sinner. Now we give them grace. We tell them about the cross and the love of God. But if somebody says to you, I don't need Jesus Christ, what do I need Jesus for? I'm good. Bank account's good. I've got profit sharing. The Dow was up. My bank account looks good. I've got fine designer clothing. I've got a great job, a mansion and a yacht, two cars, whatever you want to say. Well, that was the attitude of the Laodicean believers, but that's often the attitude of the unbelieving world. And through the law, we have to show them their need that even their righteous deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord, Isaiah 64, 6. See, many moderns believe that they're going to be fine because they assess everything on a horizontal plane. But God is holy. Even our righteous deeds, the best that we can do in benevolence and otherwise, is not going to cut it. And so this self-reliant city has gotten an assessment from the Lord of the church, and he says, you're comfortable and complacent, but you don't know your condition. God sees. They were dull, self-deluded to their true condition. James 1.22 says, don't be merely a hearer of the word who, what? Deceives himself, but be a doer. James 1.22 talks about a self-delusion where one can hear the word but doesn't do the word. And James says, if that's you, you're self-deceived. You merely hear it, but you don't do it. Jesus says, I'll show you two kinds of people. One person hears my sayings, and he does them, and he's like a person who built his house upon the rock. And when the storm came and the winds blew and it beat against that house, that house did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. I'll show you another person. He hears my sayings, but he does not do them. And he built his house upon the sand. And when the storm comes and the wind blows, that house falls and great is its demise. What's the difference? Oh, both houses heard the same sermons. But one house did what he said, and the other didn't, heard, but didn't do. And the difference, of course, is pretty significant. The city in AD 60, Tacitus, the Roman uh, historian, says, uh, they, the city, without any relief from us, from Rome, recovered itself by its own resources. But it was poor, blind, and naked. Think about these descriptions. An area famous for eye salve, but still blind. Uh, an area wealthy in the banking industry, end of 17, but described as poor. An area booming with the latest fashions in black wool, described as naked. Because Jesus is not talking about material things where it is so easy to assess life by materialism, right? So what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How do I look? Look at what I drive. Look at what I do. 
And Jesus says, oh, I'm looking right through that. See, your self-confidence and your self-reliance is your supreme weakness. In fact, it's exposed you. Do you know that uh, in all of our affluence as Americans, we have a problem that we have to fight that we may not all realize. In our affluence, we can become totally self-reliant. We don't have to rely upon God. So we have a society that's constantly trying to raise it up a notch uh, in terms of what we possess, and we're like the emperor who has no clothes. So you say, Pastor Michael, enough, enough. Is there, <laughs> is there any good news here? Is there any solutions? Here it comes. Verse 18, I advise you, here's my counsel. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich or truly rich. Solution, number one, for lukewarm believers, buy gold refined by the fire. Some of you may be saying, what in the world does that mean? What do you mean buy gold refined in the fire? Well, when something's refined in fire, what happens? All the dross gets taken out. So if you put a piece of uh, silver or gold and you're going to try to get the impurities out of it, there's going to be process. How many of you remember the song Refiner's Fire? How many of you sang that song? How many of you still sing that song? Be careful when you sing that song. Here's, here's how it goes. Refiner's Fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. Here's what you're saying. Go ahead, refine me. Okay. Guess what you just asked? Put me in the fire, Lord. The solution for an affluent, self-reliant, uh, overconfident believer is to go through the fire of testing. <gasps> what does that mean exactly? Could you be more specific? Something probably like a trial, a storm, a test, a difficulty. Something like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. I think, gulp, I'll pray. <laughs> Every other option's gone. <laughs> I guess it's time to pray, family. Have you ever noticed you can be cruising around in life, kind of just maybe a little bit in autopilot, and then a trial comes and you need to gulp, pray. <laughs> what a revelation. Well, you know what? When we have to face trials and maybe some intense situation or maybe something that seems so far above us or beyond us, that's when we have to lean into the Lord. And I think that's what the Lord of the church was doing with Laodicea. He was going to bring a trial, a, some sort of challenge to get them to move back from lukewarm to refreshing and on fire. Do you need that? Do I need that? I think we all need it at times. And that's what this is all about. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. And the book of Revelation is for many people kind of a scary book, mostly because of the upcoming judgment that it depicts and so forth. And usually people today are asking, why would a loving God bring so much pain? Well, we do have a problem of evil. We're actually exploring that problem of evil and the power of the gospel at our Wednesday night services we teach through the book of Job. 
And what we're discovering is that we do live in a fallen world, and that's much of the reason for the pain and the problem of evil. But we're also discovering something else called redemptive suffering, where God can take the broken pieces of our lives and use them to impart hope to others and ultimately hope even to ourselves as we look beyond the temporal to the eternal. You know, if any book in the Bible does that, it is the book of Revelation that depicts the church going through some tough stuff, but finding their answers in the face of their great Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and suffered for us to make a way for us. The book of Revelation tells us all about that, so keep on trucking on with this journey in Revelation. I think you'll come out the other side encouraged, blessed, and even challenged. I'd like to invite you to tomorrow night's worship service at 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're studying the problem of evil and the power of the gospel in the book of Job. The church is Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're located in the city of Corona at 1009 Arsenal Way. Just think of the armor of God, 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. Now, you can download the free Living Truth app to get the details Look for that red logo with the pillars, reminding us that the Church of the Living God is the pillar and support of the truth. Now be sure to listen tomorrow as we conclude Revelation chapter 3 and the problem of the lukewarm church in Laodicea. Are you feeling like a lukewarm Christian today? Do you need to snap out of it? Do you need to get back to that place of being refreshing or on fire? Well, stay tuned because we're going to find out more about the remedy tomorrow. We'll catch you then. God bless you. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.